Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. I said, everything gonna be all right. Yes, everything's going to be all right. Good. Oh, by the way, B.B. King passed away yesterday. Sorry to hear that. Uh, the, the blues legend. Anyway, good day wherever you're listening from, and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio, for Friday, May 15th, 2015. This week is episode 368. My name is Radio Joe Hughes. Here with me in the studio at the controls is John. You got to have faith. We're coming to you from the IAQ Training Institute, IAQ Radio World Headquarters in Central City, Pennsylvania. Joining us this week will be the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative Executive Director, Ruth Ann Norton, the GHI's Director of Maryland Program Services, Mark Kravitz, and Larry Zarker, the CEO of the Building Performance Institute. Before we get started, let's thank our marquee sponsors. John Don Products, or Restoration and Abatement Contractor Shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IAQ Radio when you acquire about their products or services. Okay, our engineer, John Faith, helped us get a new website up. So we've got a new, improved IAQ Radio website. You can either stream or download shows right from the website now. And, of course, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Last but not least, please visit the IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. All right, the Z-Man is not going to be with us today. He's traveling back from a convention. So I'm going to handle today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Okay, you can win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow listeners and being the first to correctly answer the IAQ Radio trivia question each week. Just submit your answer to czlotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live, text in your answer via your computer. I'm sorry to report we did not have a correct answer for last week's trivia question. This week, Friday, May 15th, the trivia question is sponsored by Triska, the Tri-State Restorers and Specialty Cleaners Association. They've been serving the needs and advocating for their members for over 30 years. Triska is your link to industry training, certification, standards, and events. You can check them out at their website, 
trsca.org. Now for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Name the documentary film made about a famous British architect. All right, I'm going to take it over from here. We'll hopefully we'll get a text on that one soon. Today's guests, we've got, okay, Ruth Ann Norton. She's the president and CEO of Green and Healthy Homes Initiative, a national nonprofit. They were founded in 1986, dedicated to the elimination of childhood lead poisoning and the creation of healthy, safe, and energy-efficient housing for America's children. She's a dedicated advocate for healthy housing. She broadened the mission of the organization, which was formerly the Coalition to End Childhood Lead Poisoning, when she designed a groundbreaking national program built on a framework of cross-sector collaboration to efficiently deliver green, healthy, and safe homes in communities throughout the United States. She's a founding member of the Maryland Lead Poisoning Prevention Commission and has led efforts in Maryland to reduce childhood lead poisoning by 98% and has helped develop 27 pieces of state and local legislation to prevent lead poisoning and create healthier homes. We've also got from the same group, Mark Kravitz. Mark is the director of the Maryland Program Services for the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative. In this role, he collaborates with public and private sector partners to optimize and expand resources for the GHHI and is responsible for program planning and supervision, contracts, grant management, and partner relationship management. He also oversees bid proposals, grant applications, and reports on the integration of data captured through the program implementation. Previously, he was an outcome broker for the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative Rhode Island, where he coordinated multiple federal, state, and philanthropic resources. And he also worked with state and local municipalities and nonprofits to develop that type of programming for low-income Providence residents. And last but not least, we've got Larry Zarker. Larry is the chief, uh, he's the chief of, executive officer of the Building Performance Institute. They are a partner organization to the uh, GHHI with over 30 years of experience in the residential building sector. Larry has managed the national expansion of BPI standards, credentialing, and quality assurance programs as BPI's CEO since 2006. They've grown from 1,000 to more than 25,000 nationwide certifications. He's led the expansion of their network of independent testing organizations. They've grown from 40 organizations to more than 200 organizations. And in 2010, he directed their successful effort to become an ANSI accredited standards development organization. And in 2012, they got their ANSI accreditation as a certifying body. Prior to work with BPI, he served as the vice president of marketing for the National Association of Home Builders for over 20 years. Let's, we've got some music for our guests. These songs will blare out of your eyes when I get to the green building. My rival will be televised when I get to the green building. When I get to the green building. All right, we got a little music. Let's start with Ruth Ann. Hello, welcome to IAQ Radio. We do indeed, and boy, I've been looking for my replacement for Carton Radio, and I think I've found it here. <laughs> well, great. It's it's great to have you with us, and 
I don't think we've ever met in person, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to talking a little more about, you know, the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative. We've interviewed a lot of other people in the industry who are, are involved in similar programs, but never had you on. And I'd, I'd like to know a little bit first about, you know, the history of this Green and Healthy Homes Initiative. You know, how was the group funded, et cetera? Well, it, you know, it's, we started in 1986 because of uh, nine parents who uh, got together because their kids were in the hospital uh, uh, suffering from blood poisoning, and uh, they met together to say that they could do better about uh, to address the twin tragedies of deteriorated housing conditions and uh, uh, sick children. And so they set out a mission to break the link between unhealthy housing and unhealthy children. Our work began in earnest around the issue of lead poisoning because it was literally paralyzing uh, much of the city of Baltimore and its impact. It continues to have a toxic legacy that we deal with, but we have made efforts, uh, strong efforts to reduce lead poisoning uh, in Maryland by 98% and throughout the country by about 86%. Over the course of doing that work, we found that when we fixed houses for lead paint and started to repair lead paint, so we still had many other issues in homes that were impacting the health and therefore the pathway and opportunity for children. And that included indoor air quality, uh, being able to improve venting and uh, mold, mildew, and moisture and tough management issues. So we began in earnest in the late 1990s to really address the issues of health-based housing and over time came to learn the importance of the role of energy efficiency and health performance in adding to that health quotient. And so we find ourselves today working in around 21 cities throughout the U.S. Uh, to advance practices and policies and actually the improvement of homes to reduce asthma, lead poisoning, trip and fall injury, and the cost of energy um, because we believe by doing that, we improve the health, the economic, and social outcomes for kids and their families. Well, that's, a, that's an interesting background you bring to this to this position. I want to bring Mark on for a moment. And Mark, can you tell us what a, a green and healthy home is? And then maybe a little bit about how we transform homes into green and healthy homes. Sure. It's it's great to be with you guys today. Um, so a green and healthy home is a, a home uh, where we are treating the entire built structure um, as, as a comprehensive system and recognizing that uh, the home uh, itself uh, works to um, essentially um, provide protection and support for families. And so what we want to do is ensure that families um, have proper indoor air quality, um, it's energy efficient, um, we are reducing allergy and asthma triggers, um, it's pest-free, pest mold-free, um, all the things that tend to hamper um, uh, and uh, oftentimes create stress and um, challenges for families. Um, and so in looking at uh, a healthy house, uh, we are looking uh, also at the behaviors that people bring into the home as well that can oftentimes increase energy costs, can increase the asthma triggers that oftentimes um, prohibit um, homes from remaining safe. So we recognize that the built environment is key to a green and healthy home as well as the behavior for the individuals living within the home. And I, I notice you include the, the seven 
and, and I actually you've made it eight essentials of healthy housing from the National Center for Healthy Housing. What is it? Keep it dry, keep it pest free, keep it maintained, uh, contaminant free, ventilated, safe. And I know I'm going to miss a couple here and there, but I think that's an interesting way of, of putting together the definition as opposed to just saying, you know, green is whatever sustainable. You're giving some actual examples of things that you need to do to make it green as opposed to, you know, just having a definition for what green is. Yeah, it's actually, uh, it's the, we call it the eight elements of healthy housing. If you go on our website, you can take a test um, and actually do a self-assessment. And uh, we incorporate those seven elements that were created by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention and added uh, in that work the eighth element of energy efficiency when, uh, as we were looking up the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative. Uh, but they, they are very good guidelines in which uh, we've spent a lot of time, Larry, myself, and many others on the panels of CDC and EPA establishing those standards. And they are, I agree, very clear uh, guidelines. But the key is to, to train contractors and families about the how-to actually on the ground. And that's uh, one of the reasons that we are teaming up with the home performance industry through BPI is to make sure that people not only understand um, but know how to address uh, hazards and uh, the opportunities for improvement when they face them actually in the work in the home. So those were CDC's initial seven elements of a health, or essentials of a healthy home, and then you've added they the eight. They were done by CDC, and they were uh, published through uh, work, the CDC, many other organizations, including the National Center um, and uh, but it was work funded funded by and uh, led by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. I see. Let, let's bring Larry in for a moment here. Larry, you're you're the CEO of, uh, and I'm, I want to make sure I got this right, the Building Performance Institute. And I want to go into a little more about the award that the the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative just received. But before we do, let's kind of set the table. You are working as a partner group with GHHI now, and, and that was brought together by, I guess, them contacting you, or did you contact them? How did that all work out, Larry? We may have lost Larry. Larry, do we have you? Oh, Larry? Yeah, Larry there. It's a broad partnership that has been brought about over time. Uh, Larry. Larry's group is obviously the premier standard around building performance certifications in the country, and there's a large number of uh, partners working together from uh, agencies. Uh, what uh, GHHI and EPI are doing is helping to pull that broad partnership together, which I will credit Larry uh, for really wanting to pursue this. Um, in, in the work, and so included included in that are, are universities and um, programs um, around the country that are working on this, especially Children's Hospital, uh, GHHI, and, uh, and uh, BPI got together at an ACI conference last year, presented together, and out of that, Larry had the great uh, wisdom to say, let's get certifications around how people address these issues, and so I want to give credit to Larry in, in helping to lead this broad partnership. I think I was muted. Can you hear me now? There you go. We've got you, Larry. 
Okay, that's exactly I called right. you young and vibrant while you're while yeah. you're there. <laughs> and and I was going to say, don't drive like my brother. Um, uh, we've always talked about um, health and safety as part of our motto, um, but really what we were focusing on was the combustion appliance zone and gas leaks primarily. And as we have started to look at uh, the way people live in their homes, we realize there are things that our building analysts see every day that can dramatically impact the health of the occupants. For example, um, moisture gets into homes, into basement or from the crawl space, and we know that the title of my talk is Our Homes Suck and That's Why Our Kids Have Sinus Problems. And and really what that means is there's stack effects. So water gets into a um, crawl space and the air moves through there there can be rodents living in there. They could be living or dead. Um, we actually have a case of a possum that died next to a disconnected return. So people are breathing all of this air, uh, which could easily have mold in it. And it goes through the, the uh, house and into the return before it's finally captured by the furnace filter. So a lot of our older homes have many problems in there with contaminants that uh, we need to start addressing. And that's why we've built this relationship with uh, GHHI as well as the National Center and academic institutions to really try and see if we can do something to um, make a difference in homes. And did I, Ruth Ann, I don't know who wants to address this, Ruth Ann, Larry, whichever. Did did I hear that you started a, a separate certification program for this, or did you build it into the existing BPI certifications? Well, I'll let Larry take that. This is something that we are just starting on on this project. Right. So, so we have we that. have a, a task group that's that's looking at this. We've long had a building analyst that does um, all the things that that are part of an energy audit, an expanded energy audit. But uh, in terms of the environmental health of the home, some of the the factors that the driving forces for asthma um, we haven't included. So we're um, bringing together a, a group of subject matter experts next month to actually address whether we could build a micro-credential to add on to the uh, building analyst or whether we need something that's standalone. But we are um, committed to getting that credential into the marketplace. Interesting. Now, let's go back and talk a little bit about the award that actually brought my attention to contacting Ruth Ann and getting all of you on the show here. Um, that was announced recently by the EPA. And let me make sure I have the right name for it here. It was the Environmental Leadership Award in Asthma Management. Can either Ruth Ann or Mark, can you tell us a little bit more about why you got that award and what that award is? Sure. The award was for the work that we've uh, done in our direct service program in Baltimore, and uh, but it, it's what is modeled around the country in our other sites. And uh, but our program uh, is is a very uh, streamlined uh, program for families so that they don't have to hunt individual grants to try to address indoor air quality and pest management, mold, lead, and other issues, but is really focused on uh, education uh, and holistic assessment of the home 
working with the family from day one to recognize those things that are exacerbating asthma, uh, working as an extension of the healthcare clinic, and bringing that prescriptive care to the root causes that may be exacerbating uh, asthma and sending kids to the emergency department and the health department. And uh, so we've, we have shown out of that work uh, a more than 60% reduction in hospitalizations for children and taking a, a further look into the data and then into the work, that has resulted in a 62% improvement from kids missing school on a frequent basis because of asthma, the number one reason that kids miss school in America, and turning that around to perfect attendance and improving the ability for families to get to work. So this comprehensive program that embeds deep education and, and structural intervention is what the ETA recognized um, on the National Leadership Award, and they give two awards. The other award uh, for clinical programs was given to Lavonner Hospital uh, in Memphis, Tennessee, which we are proud to say is one of our partners in our uh, Emerging Pay for Success program. So... Let me see if I know, understand how this works. Someone, I went to your website. I did the the questionnaire on my home, you know, just to get an idea of how it works and what you're looking for. And I came in with a pretty good score. Um, I, I got to get a carbon monoxide detector. But other than that, it came in pretty good. Now, let's say someone goes there and they don't get such a good score. Do you direct them toward resources like someone who would come out and help assess a little better what the issues are within their home? And then do you have resources for how they can go about actually, you know, making some of the um, fixes to the, the structure um, and maybe tying it in with the weatherization, weatherization at the same time? Yeah, and I'm going to let um, I'm talk to Mark, but I want to only say that most of our referrals are coming from healthcare clinics, from health departments and community organizations. People can test and self-refer through the website as well. But, Mark, why don't you talk about how the program works and the resources there? Okay, so let me set it up, Mark. You, you're you working with these healthcare providers around the country. Let's let's get a ballpark idea. I, I think I noticed, like, 21 cities you had uh, local you know, local, uh, I don't know if they're local offices or local groups you work with. Maybe you could expand on that a little first and then how it works from there. Sure. So to be clear, uh, I work at the our flagship office in our national headquarters in Baltimore, Maryland. So Baltimore is one of the 21 cities. Uh, the Baltimore model and work that has been done here for the past 20-plus uh, years has been the model that the additional 20, 21 cities um, have been looking at to implement. And as uh, Ruthann mentioned, we receive referrals and opportunities for families to receive services from a number of different places, um, primary care providers, um, healthcare providers, um, departments of health, as well as community-based outreach efforts. And families um, in completing or uh, either a case manager or a physician or nurse completing that referral will then um, bring those families into our services um, where we do a very comprehensive intake process. Families will then move through to receive a comprehensive health, safety, and energy assessment we created a customized 29 health and safety point um, uh, healthy housing assessment as well as a full BPI weatherization audit. From there, um, 
we then create a, a pretty comprehensive scope of work. And that's where the resources uh, that families need to often navigate, that's very difficult for families to navigate because uh, oftentimes, in particular for low-income families, they need to navigate and go from one um, city program to another program to another program and fill out various applications. What GHHI is, has done and continues to do and replicate in additional cities is work with the various local agencies, streamline and, and bring together and braid together the multiple resources that families are completing one application at one shot, getting one comprehensive assessment, and then receiving those services all, all at once. Um, so families, in particular low-income families, are really getting comprehensive work, the energy efficiency, health, and safety all on top in one shot. And let me ask a, a follow-up on that, Mark. Do you have your own staff that go out and do the the audit and, and then maybe some of the education as well, or do you work with other providers? Yeah, so we do the work ourselves, uh, and we also have a plethora of referral services. So um, in working with families, uh, we do the comprehensive assessment, our own. We do the scope of work. Uh, and then we complete the work as well on top of that, and then we do the QAQC work um, from there on out. Uh, however, in working with families, uh, we also recognize that there are a number of other challenges that might be uh, facing in their lives that uh, we don't necessarily directly um, serve, and we provide in our partnership referral infrastructure, uh, we will provide referrals to those families to connect to additional resources. Okay, and then how do the, the BPI audit people fit into this um, process if they do? Yeah, so our staff have been trained to uh, deliver a BPI um, building analysis as well, uh, or building audit, as well as a comprehensive health safety and energy audit. So it, it, uh, it, they're cross-disciplinary um, and they're trained on and certified in all of those areas. So we are trained in integrated pest management inspections, comprehensive health and safety, that's looking at lead, mold, asbestos, um, uh, as well as additional health and safety issues, and then also receiving the comprehensive BPI audit on top of that. I see. And I'm curious, when, when you send the folks out to do this, this type of you know, audit that, that you perform, um, is that the same model you're looking at for your other regions, the other 20 or so cities, or are you looking at different models for that? So, yes. Yeah, so the, the model that we're, we're doing uh, in our, our other cities, for example, you know, just came from Providence, Rhode Island. There we have outcome brokers on site who broker the relationships among the various agencies. And then we provide support and training up their assessors to do uh, the comprehensive work. Um, as those assessors uh, diversify their skills to be not only BPI certified and doing the building analysts and uh, energy audit, um, we sometimes will have um, the energy auditor and the health and safety and lead inspector all going in together comprehensively to, de to deliver uh, the scope of work and create a comprehensive scope of work. Um, so we're focused on diversifying the skills of the local workforce so that they can deliver more comprehensive services. We recognize that takes some time, and in the meantime, we get them to um, do the assessments at the same time together and then create the scope of work together. 
Okay, this is great stuff. It sounds like it's it's a worthwhile project. Ruth Ann, let me get back with you. Who pays for all this? How do you pay for all this? It doesn't come free. I, w- I would like to say Larry Zarker. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it, uh, you know, it, it takes a lot of effort. And so one of, one of the things that GHHI created was a system of aligning and braiding resources. Um, so we use a multitude of uh, mix here, federal programs uh, and state programs that are supporting the weatherization ener- energy efficiency work. Uh, we also in, weave into this um, Office of Healthy Homes programs from the U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development around lead hazard control and health-based housing. Uh, our programs use community development block grant monies. As well, uh, there are uh, philanthropic funds. Um, GHHI has raised over about $80 million of uh, philanthropic funding uh, for the programs across the country from community foundations and very large um, national foundations, including uh, the JPB Foundation, Open Society, and the NE Casey Foundation, Kresge, uh, Kellogg, and others, who all are working together to the same goal of outcomes for children and families. In addition to this, uh, we are now looking to bring in other private investment through what is called pay-for-success uh, programs, sometimes known as social impact bonds, that actually pay uh, what governments or private payors will pay uh, for outcomes that are produced where you can prove through evidence-based practices the improvement of child health, the reduction of uh, use of the hospital system, for example, a reduction in use of emergency inhalers because we're doing a better job of controlling asthma. And this is a growing field that we hope will help to scale uh, the ability um, to do something that we often call uh, making contractors and uh, home performance uh, contractors the new face of healthcare. You know, we're going to have to take a a break in a moment to thank our sponsors, what we call halftime. But before we do, Larry, I want to bring you back in for a moment. Where, um, what did you see with respect to to BPI and the and the people that make up BPI? How did you see them fitting into this process and and benefiting from it, or is this just something you thought, you know, what this is a good program, we're going to support it, whether it really you know, helps our, our people get more work or whatever. It's just a good program we want to support. This goes back to the panel I was on with uh, Ruth Ann and Kevin Kennedy in, in uh, Detroit last year. And and Kevin said at one point, uh, he's with Children Mer- Children's Mercy Hospital in Kansas City, he said at one point, we pretty much know the protocols now of going in and examining the home, but what we need is a national network of people who can get trained up quickly to be able to do it. And I raised my hand and said, we have 25,000 certified individuals in the marketplace. Um, they, they have their building science. They, they've been in crawl spaces and attics. Um, they know houses from a building science point of view. It wouldn't be a, lo- a large leap for them to get additional training and certification to be able to add that. And since we have talked in uh, since our inception back in uh, 1993 about health and safety in the home, it was natural for us to look at ways that we could actually add that in. So we're very excited about this. Um, We think that it's a a really important um, um, 
challenge for the country to deal with these these conditions. Well, especially when you you take into consideration that weatherization done improperly can exacerbate these problems, whereas weatherization done properly can help with these problems. So I would imagine yeah. getting involved is, you know, that's that's a win-win for your group and for the other groups that are trying to help. Yeah. Them. And let's face it, um, 20, uh, about a um, third of all homes are over 25 years old, um, and another third are over 45 year, years old. So, you know, t- two-thirds of the housing stock predate modern energy codes. They may be great houses, but they don't perform that well. And the envelope is probably the first place um, that you need to address in terms of air sealing and then ventilation to make sure that you're bringing in air that you can trust. And as I understand it, and correct me if I'm wrong, Larry, the BPI program is primarily based on existing housing. Do you have a program for new housing as well? Um, We just added for the first time a certification for um, the code compliance verification to the International Energy Conservation Code, the IECC, that requires a um, blower door test for air infiltration and a duct leakage test to verify duct tightness. And we had both of those tests, but in different certifications, so we brought them in and that is our fastest growing certification so that, that we can help builders comply to the um, IECC. Well, after the break, I'd like to talk a little bit more about how you're integrating the, the essentials of healthy housing and the, the, the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative program into what you're already, you know, your existing certifications. And I also want to talk a little more after the break about some specific types of responses that we find have worked best for helping to reduce asthma attacks and and hospital visits and and, uh, people missing school, etc. But before we do, we've got to stop, thank our sponsors. We'll be back in 90 seconds with this week's guest. Been very interesting so far. We've got Ruth Ann Norton and Mark Kravitz, both from the Green and Healthy Homes Initiative and Larry Zarker with the Building Performance Institute. The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit, multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions. We use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Check them out at legends-enviro.com. And of course, our marquee sponsors, John Don Products, or restoration and abatement contractor shop. Visit them at johndon.com. Clean Facts, the number one information source for cleaning and restoration professionals. Check them out at cleanfactswithanx.com. IAQ.net and Healthy Indoors Magazine, a free online digital magazine for industry professionals and consumers. Subscriptions available at IAQ.net. 
Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IQ Radio when you acquire about their products or services. Okay, we're back. I want to throw this one out to either Ruth Ann or Mark. With respect to the, the Affordable Care Act, that's you know fairly new, and I'm wondering if it's been a help or a, a hindrance for your program, and if it's been either of them, why? Um, you know, I'll take this because uh, I spend a lot of my time in this at this point. The, uh, the Affordable Care Act and, and the overall movement of our health systems around the country to invest more in wellness and also to invest in community implementation of health-based solutions for families has been a, an incredible opportunity to have us rethink um, how we look at our home as a driver of our health. And so there's been Medicaid policy changes as well as the affordable care change, changes that have happened um, at the federal level and state level that are creating waiver programs for Medicaid that are allowing for investment in uh, root cause remediation, uh, certainly changes that uh, they're paying for better assessment and better education around chronic diseases uh, like asthma. And many incentives um, are occurring, uh, like we have in Maryland, where there is a global Medicaid waiver that provides incentives to the hospital systems in Maryland, for example, to keep people from readmission um, for the same uh, issues over and over again. And this is, this is providing uh, both economic opportunity and certainly uh, strategic opportunities for investments in programs that we know work. And uh, to that end, that's why we have um, really instilled in the, the base of the Green and Healthy Homes protocols uh, is to ensure that we're doing data collection around the cost to do interventions around indoor air quality, the cost of venting, the cost of uh, mold remediation or pest management or, or roof repairs or other things, um, the cost of the, the energy efficiency work that improves uh, air quality as well. And then to couple that on the backside, we're looking at uh, the actual uh, hospital costs, emergency department costs, mostly for us around uh, children who are on Medicaid, uh, families that have Medicaid, Medicare support. And we're, we're looking at that as well as utility bills, where we get clearance to be able to do utility bill tracking for energy consumption. This hard cost data is allowing us to create new payment models for healthcare and new incentives for managed care organizations to invest in um, indoor air quality and other um, actions that can be standardized um, around the country in terms of implementation. Um, because it, it, as we uh, continue to prove this out with hard data, not just surveys from families, but hard uh, cost data, uh, there is a move uh, afoot in the healthcare industry to utilize this opportunity to start to pay uh, for these interventions that have long-term uh, sustainable impact on not only kids, but adults and, and the entire family. You know, I've got um, currently one of our listeners is is the education chairman for the Indoor Air Quality Association. He's He's typed a couple comments in. One, this is a great show. And the second one is how could groups like theirs 
help with the program? Um, is there a way they could get involved with the training aspect or, you know, with- oh, we'd love it. We would love it. We would really welcome that. And, um, I would say that they, um, so they certainly email me at ranorton at ghhi.org, uh, get in touch with Larry Zarker in what we're endeavoring to do with groups like Mercy Children, the center the university of Illinois and others, around uh, getting this uh, standardization certification process in place. Um, but we would, we would love that. We have, uh, we have about 58 other cities that have applied, cities, states, and counties, that have applied to become a Green and Healthy Homes designated program. So we anticipate that we will be in approximately 60 cities by the end of next year. Uh, we need, in that, we create learning networks and uh, partnerships. GHHI is a collaborative model. So we would love the opportunity to have the expertise and the input and support from groups uh, around the country. You know, I also, I'm the government affairs chairman and the second vice president of a group, the Institute for Inspection, Cleaning, and Restoration Certification. And a lot of our members are people that go out and they do carpet cleaning, hard surface cleaning, they do mold remediation, etc. What I'd like to do is get a couple of um, practical tips from your research or from from the data that you've collected, what kind of things work? I mean, what what for instance does carpet cleaning on a regular basis improve um, the the number of asthma attacks? Uh, does using HEPA vacuums as opposed to regular vacuums? Do we have hard data on that? We do have hard data around uh, HEPA vacuums. Certainly, there's been a number of studies of those over the years. We'll get a get that to you, and I'll, and I'll invite Larry and Mark to pipe in here as well. We are big at removing carpet, so uh, we're often, you know, we have uh, some convincing and persuasion to do with uh, many of the families that we work with, and that's often because we're working in older homes where even the substrate underneath is uh, causing problems, but uh, we want to make sure that we have the best uh, optimal circumstances for kids who are growing up in housing. So where we can, we're removing carpets, but where there's a a desire not to do that by the families that we work with and our our partners that we work with, um, we we do believe there are benefits for for, uh, carpet cleaning. And I'll uh, I'll, uh, toss to Mark and Larry a little bit. There have been studies done on this, which we can can also share... um, but I think less so on that than on the, the use of HEPAVACs, which have a really incredibly proven um, impact on allergens and dust and, and also lead dust in houses. But, Mark, anything you want to add there? Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. I think some, um, some really practical things to think about as it relates to asthma and allergies um, you know, the major triggers that we find in homes relate to mold, um, mice and rats, and particularly feces relating to mice and rats, uh, cockroach uh, feces, uh, dust mites, pet hair and, and dander, environmental tobacco smoke, volatile organic compounds, and even excess cold and heat can all trag, uh, trigger uh, asthma issues or allergies. And so what we like to do is, is recognize that there are things that you can do in the built environment, uh, whether that is incorporating mechanical ventilation, uh, changing filters, uh, as well as you know, things like removing carpets. 
Um, but there are also a number of things that we can do that relates to more behavior change, um, ensuring that uh, families and yourself are, are cleaning and using a wet cleaning method, um, using HEPA filters uh, when vacuuming, uh, ensuring that the HVAC systems have uh, clean and updated filters uh, as well. During pollen season, making sure that windows are, are closed or that you're not necessarily drying your clothes on an outside uh, line because even though it's an energy saver, uh, that pollen and all will be tracking in um, through those clothes. So I, I think it's, you know, it's two parts, ensuring that your, your home and um, all of the different tools that we use to keep comfortable in our home are up to speed and the filters are up to date, but then also um, ensuring proper behavior and that we're cleaning our homes because dust and all those things, um, keeping things at the right temperature, uh, you know, mold forms after uh, 55% percentage for, um, percentage for uh, humidity. Uh, those are all behavior pieces that we can help ensure and maintain the home. And Larry, so, would you chime in on I that? I'd add to that. Um, John Davies spoke at the um, ACI conference on weatherization, and um, during um, the uh, stimulus um the weatherization, National Weatherization Assistance Program um, looked at a, uh, an initiative called Weatherization Plus Health, and the Opportunity Council in um, Bellingham, Washington, did a study, a controlled study of 90 homes, um, and they broke them into um, thirds. Uh, so one was weatherization, one was um, weatherization plus health, and the Oak Ridge National Laboratory did a um, an evaluation of the health impacts from that work, and that report will be released next month in June. And I understand that that it's a um, that there are going to be some pretty significant impacts from um, the results of that study. You know, maybe you could help me get him on the show, and uh, we oh, can. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, Bruce Tom, Bruce Tom, the lead um, on that group from Oak Ridge, is would be a terrific terrific guest on the show and I think their their data as well would be um, significant to have him and John um, talk about this but the the research coming out of Oak Ridge I think is going to make some stunningly good uh, case uh, for how uh, weatherization and energy efficiency are really having major impacts on health on family stability on uh, mental health and lots of great uh, economic outcomes for families mm-hmm Somewhere on your website, I, I, cleaning is a big, you know, big passion of mine and the group that I'm involved with, the, the Institute for Cleaning and Restoration Certification, the IICRC. I saw somewhere on the a site about cleaning, and I think it was with respect to allergens and a, a two-bucket method. Can someone maybe give our listeners a little further detail on that? Sure. Um, I mean, we use a two-bucket method for lead dust cleaning around allergens. Um, in all of our families, we um, we give these supplies as well as a, a HEPA vacuum at the, as, as part of the intervention along with the structural work. Um, and uh, it is really to ensure that when you are doing your cleaning that you're not recontaminating um, when you're when you're going through sort of the rinse piece. So it's a it's a wash and then a clean wipe with clean rinse water uh, to ensure that we're getting up as much particulate as possible in our cleanup, uh, certainly after any intervention work is done in the house, but on a general basis. 
And and you know, it's uh, it's an area we we spend a lot of time on is also proper cleaning, making sure that we're using the right types of cleaners that aren't going to exacerbate um, incidents of asthma that we're getting into all of the places that we don't even think about cleaning sometimes and what how the periodic cleaning um, is helpful in uh, improving health. I would be, I, I must ask a question or two on lead paint. This is your roots. Um, how are we doing with respect to lead paint poisoning? It's been a huge problem in the United States. Um, I know earlier in the show you mentioned some statistics in, I believe they were in um, Maryland. How are we doing nationally with respect to reducing the elevated blood leads in our children? Well, we're, you know, it's one of the better public health stories in what we've been able to accomplish as a country over in the last decade and a half, the, the two decades around lead, um, where we have about an 86% reduction in childhood lead poisoning. That said, even with the elimination of lead gasoline, the, the removal of lead from solder in, in uh, piping work, uh, the ban on lead-based, the, the uh, use of lead-based paint in residential housing, we still today um, have approximately 535,000 children poisoned by lead in the United States annually. That is far, far too many. Uh, when you consider the fact that even the lowest levels of lead in the child system uh, will have uh, cognitive impact, irreversible damage that ranges uh, from learning disabilities and reading disabilities, hearing loss, uh, to violent uh, and aggressive behavior, and in adults um, is a contributor to a 16 to 19% increase in cardiac arrest, um, and a 46% increase in early mortality. So these are these are well vetted studies, um, you know. Uh, but as we think about this in terms of investment too, we have to think about the fact that kids poisoned by lead are seven times more likely to drop out of school. If we look at a cohort of a half a million children every year who are going to have a struggle through school, and they're potentially living in housing that also has impacts of asthma. We are failing on what should be our mission in this country, which is to ensure that every child gets the opportunity to get to the classroom healthy and ready to learn. Because if they can keep their health and get their education, um, then the resiliency and the pathway and the opportunities for every child uh, become much better and our society becomes much better. And in the very small and somewhat unsexy work that Mark and Larry and uh, others in our uh, organizations do, um, these are really important things that we really can uh, change the trajectory of what hap- is happening. So one thing I would say is we cont- need to continue to test our homes um, and test our children, have good strategies that know that we have to look at houses holistically and continue to to fight the war, wage the war on lead-based paint, uh, it's one that we can win, uh, one that we we can make substantial progress, and it is clearly one where we know what to do, we know how to detect it, we know how to address it, and it's one where money, in fact, makes a difference and has an incredible return. For every dollar invested in lead poisoning prevention and lead hazard control work, 
it has up to a $221 return. There's not a person who's a hedge fund uh, a, a guru on Wall Street who wouldn't take a 221 to 1 uh, return, and we should want that kind of return on investment for the future of our country and the future of our children. Ruthann, how do we... How do we get that investment, though? I mean, who's going to make that investment? Where's that money coming from? Is it the manufacturers are going to have to contribute? Is it, you know, the government's always tight for money? That We've got a lot of landlords who own properties that may or may not have the ability to spend that kind of money on doing remediation of lead. Where's that money coming from? Or where do you see any new pockets of money available out there? Sure. Let me, let me first get to the fact that... Um in Maryland, when we passed the Maryland lead dose reduction in housing law that has eventually led to a 98% reduction in childhood lead poisoning, the majority of that has been funded by property owner investment in their properties to meet the standard. So the ability to do it is there, and the enormous returns uh, to everyone uh, are clear. It, it lessens the liability for owners who don't spend their time in lawsuits and instead have healthier um, uh, tenancy arrangements. And so there is the ability to do that. I think that we have the ability to look at and remanage and repurpose, redirect all of our housing intervention money that comes from, from taxpayer dollars um, and to better have a standard of care around health-based housing, which includes lead and other things. So I think we can spend our money smarter. And then there is the emergence of private sector investments, and we are working on uh, social impact bonds around um, the reduction of asthma for the work that we do because we can show the cost before of asthmatic children and the reduction of cost from keeping kids out of that hospitalization 60% or more of the time over a three-year period. That's a dramatic reduction in cost that comes back to benefit the healthcare provider the, the Medicaid systems and the public in general. So there is the opportunity for private investment for outcomes that work around evidence-based practices. And I think the combination of those things, along with good training, good education, most people want to do the right things and very small things that contractors, homeowners, residents can do um, can have enormous impact. So I think if you can get those systems coordinated and working together, which is at the heart of why we established Green and Healthy Homes, is to do that, that the results are very quick, they're sustainable, and they're achievable. If, if I could approach that from another perspective, um, BPI works with 130 state and utility programs, principally investing money to incentivize energy efficiency upgrades. And very often our contractors find that the energy efficiency is not the top driver. What homeowners are interested in is um, health, comfort, safety uh, in their homes, and they are prepared to pay for that. So I think we've been approaching, since the energy crisis of the 70s, we've been approaching this as, Let's see what we can invest to reduce our dependence on, on foreign oil and, and make our homes more energy efficient. But in fact, if you look at it from the perspective of delivering a healthier environment, you're going to get the secondary benefit of an energy efficient home, too. 
And, 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 I, and I think that, the, yeah, it's an excellent point, and it's what people can feel, they can see, and they live. And if, if you are a parent and your kid is not able to sleep through the night comfortably because of their asthma, and by doing this work, that changes even that small fact, that's something that you absolutely feel and is an is a importance um, that is a motivator both for the marketplace and for, the, for basically the right thing to do. And, you know, I've always been a big supporter of, of these types of holistic programs. And, and part of what I do with the IAQ Training Institute is we, we do include the, the essentials of healthy housing. We're going to have to add the eighth. Um, but one of the things that I've noticed is w- when you help with moisture, you help with all of these things. So, you know, moisture causes damage to the paint, the paint, you know, flakes, and, and we've got children being poisoned from the paint, but it also causes problems with energy efficiency. And so they're all tied together. I like the way the program is working. And um, any way we can help, certainly we're, we're interested in doing that. What I'd like to do, I had a whole list of questions here that um, I didn't get to. So I want to give each of you a chance to have a last word. If there's anything we missed or any any final comments you'd like to make, let's go around the board and uh, let everybody do that. Let's start with Mark. Um, we didn't get to hear uh, quite as much from you as the others, but let's let's start with you, Mark. Thanks, and, and thanks so much for, for having us on today. Um, I think the, the last point I, I would want to make is that um, you know, the home is a system and it's a complex system. I find it amazing that we can purchase a phone and get a, um, get a, a very intensive booklet on how to uh, work that phone, but we never get a handbook for our, for our home. And so recognizing that um, we need to ensure that our communities and individuals are well educated on how to maintain um, their home for comfort and efficiency, but most importantly, indoor air quality. Um, so my last thoughts would be um, to share this with, with friends and, and family to ensure that they begin, become engaged to understand um, how to better interact, and behavior is, is key in doing that. Well, thank you, Mark, and thanks for joining us. Let's, let's go to Larry. Okay, I, I would like to call out the Department of Energy and its leadership over the last uh, six or seven years. Um, uh, they um, sponsored the development of standard work specifications for how to do the job. Um, they created for job task analyses and followed that up with professional certifications called home energy professional certifications for energy auditor, retrofit installer, uh, crew leader, and for QC inspector that are really making a difference in the market. And uh, in addition to that, DOE invested funding to understand how weatherization plus health works together, and we're going to see the results of that in the Oak Ridge report coming out next month. So they've taken a real leadership role here, and I, I think they're to be commended. Um, you know, as, uh, they did a million homes of weatherization during the um, recession uh, with stimulus funding and created many jobs, and um, were very successful in completing that many jobs well. So um, that's, that's a thought that I really wanted to share. I appreciate that. We had uh, Sam Raskin on the show a while back, and that's a great show for people to go back and listen to. He's with the, the chief architect for the Department of Energy, and I, I agree, Larry. They've been really at the forefront of trying to help with these issues. Let's finish up with Ruth Ann. Well, I, uh, you know, I think kudos go to common sense and doing the right thing actually pays. 
and uh, you know from the uh, U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development for investing in healthy homes early, uh, and the great leadership that we have in Julian Castro to advancing this and continuing to do that, I think is terrific. But I, I really do think it is uh, evidence over time um, and really smart and important partners uh, across the country who are moving the needle to say, let's invest before kids are sick, let's help families uh, live better lives, um, and the ability to get uh, state and local leaders and people who are doing the -the on-the-ground work to think about braiding resources together, to putting true partnerships together and collaboratives together that allow the best of our work to deliver the best for families. And, uh, you know, I, again, just think that uh, this is indoor air quality radio and the improvement of indoor air quality in America's housing um, can improve kids and their ability to get to school and improve their educational test scores and improve their opportunities. The small things we do in life done well have great results. And we are just grateful, grateful, grateful for the opportunity uh, to be on IAQ Radio, and thanks for allowing our partnership uh, to be here today. And uh, you totally rock, man. It's great. <laughs> Thank you so That's much. For sure. Thank you. Uh, I really appreciate. It. I, I hope we can get all of you back, and we'll continue this conversation. We've had Kevin Kennedy on a few times. We've had uh, Rebecca Morley on, and and we've had a lot of the people involved in these efforts. And we're going to continue to. Uh, do our best to get the get the word out but um we really appreciate having folks like you come on and help us so this is radio joe hughes saying thanks so much to this week's guests ruth ann norton she's the president and ceo of the green and healthy homes initiative mark kravitz who's their director of the maryland program and larry zarker the ceo of the building performance institute thanks to all of you for joining us this week on iaq radio of course thanks to my engineer john you got to have faith great job and uh, my co-host the z-man by the way i did not mention to our guests i think the z-man when he comes back he's on the road We'll be doing a blog on this show. If he doesn't, I'll get it together. We'll send that out for your review. We'll get that out to our listeners as well. But uh, I want to thank the Z-Man, even though he couldn't be here this week. And most importantly, you are a growing group of loyal listeners. Please come back um, in two weeks. Next week, we're going to do a flashback Friday. I'll be back live with the Z-Man in two weeks with the next episode of IAQ Radio. This has been another IAQ Radio production. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.